Well, good morning, everyone. I don't have a clipboard up here, but I have lots of flyers I want to show you. Uh, first of all, the Christmas party details. I love this. It's a charcuterie Christmas party here at the building on December 17th at 5.30 in the evening. And uh, if you, did you put that online, right? Did you put that online, all those pictures of all those charcuterie boards? Or was it something I just got? Is it hanging up over there? Oh, I got the electronic file. If you want to know what a charcuterie board is, it's over there. And if you want to eat from a charcuterie board that looks like that, well, then you have to be here on December 17th. And I am all about that. <laughs> I'm glad whoever planned this planned it for after I got back from my travels to the East Coast and the Southwest. So I am all about that. And, and we're going to bring a charcuterie board, right? No. No? Okay. Well, I'll just eat off everybody else's. Totally excited. So char charcuterie Christmas party. I love it. So I'm going to promote it. There you go. So ladies Christmas party at the Parks House. On the 14th from 6 to 8 p.m., gift exchange, bring a gift, 15 to 20 bucks, finger food, dessert potluck style, and that should be a fun time. And the college age group will uh, get together and talk about if we want to do something wild and crazy uh, as well. And then calendars are here. Thank you, Scott. I love, I love it when Scott calls me and goes, so what would you want me to put on here? It's like... Oh good, well this, 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 and this, and it's done. Woohoo! So anyway, your your calendars are there, and uh, we have a whole host of different people speaking and preaching in December when I'm gone, so uh, have fun. There you go. And let's see, your bulletins have all the, all the other stuff in there. Uh, gingerbread party coming up this next, December 2nd is when, Saturday? Saturday. All right. So uh, I am tossing up between Battle of the Bulge and, you know, I don't know, something like that. So why not? A gingerbread soldier, right? So it'd be great. Uh, let's see, ladies and Alan, you are going to be there, right? We're going to tear it up. We'll be there. Well, the men's table. I heard there's a competition. Have you heard? Tanya Jay has appointed herself as judge. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, a competition. Got it. She's appointed herself as judge. Yeah. I can't have that. She doesn't like me. <laughs> she doesn't like me either. We're <laughs> All right. Uh, Ladies Christmas party, PHCC Christmas party, charcuterie Christmas board party. And at New Year's, I love, I think it's New Year's early or late afternoon early evening party so excited about that hey and Oregon family camp's coming up so pretty excited well Lars skipped out today because it's his birthday so we'll have to send to him next week and uh Desi I think he's probably partying somewhere else so this weekend so and Desi you're here thank you for showing up so there's a little joke at our house here just a little bit ago saying hey it's almost Desi's birthday <laughs> I know you've all heard it before, but for those who haven't heard it, when Desi was a little girl, she made sure everyone knew that December 2nd was her birthday, and she let us know well in advance, over and over and over again, so we wouldn't forget. So, we're going to sing a happy birthday. It is. Yes. Tonight and Wednesday are both at our house. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, so, tonight and Wednesday evening 
Our assemblies will be at the Kirkpatrick's. They graciously opened their home to host that uh, because Tamara's not feeling very well. So we should be in prayer for Tamara, but thankful for your willingness to open up and let us trash your house. It's so fun. So we don't do that. Why don't you come and find out? Oh, by the way, I should share another thing too. Is if you haven't been coming to Sunday evenings, this is not shaming you at all. I'm not serious. If you think I am, I'm not. Mr. Parks is the preacher's preacher, man. He is nailing it out of the park every Sunday evening. He is expository through um, um, the Beatitudes, and now he's getting down to the nitty gritty. And uh, I'm excited. We had our Bible study lesson. We were all excited about. Because I had found some stuff based on what he had shared. And anyway, so whew, if you can make it to Sunday nights, it's well worth it. It's not going to be a Bill Compton show. It's it's the Kirk Parks awesome preaching. So appreciate it. All right. Oh, here we go. I almost We didn't have these for a while. They're back. They're back. Jake, thank you for getting here early to build the fire. We appreciate being war. Let's give it up for Jake. I, I really, I really like the fact that uh, uh, he he doesn't burn us out like I did a couple weeks ago, and Ryan did every time. So uh, just this perfect little fire, Mr. Andrew. Good job. Who wrote this? Good job, Max. Mr. Andrew, man, that's good stuff. Out of respect, Mr. Andrew, I loved it. When you played the piano this morning, Matt, let's give it up for Mr. Andrew. Yeah. Jake, your message was awesome. Ty, let's give it up for Jake. Yeah. Alan, your message was awesome also. I'm guessing it's same handwriting. Is that from Ty too? There you go. Give it up for Alan. I love that Bible passage. It's so amazing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You read that whole thing, and it's just hilarious, actually. Uh, Brenda, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, you have been sorely missed. Your devotion to taking care of your family is such a light and encouragement to us all. So let's give it up for Brenda. It's great to see you. I know we've been fervently praying and just hoping and praying that those little ones just are feeling the love from Grandma and Auntie and, and everybody else. So. Jeff D., your Bible classes have been very thought-provoking, challenging us to go deeper and not be a tumbleweed Christian. Thank you for asking the hard questions and making us think. Man, he didn't even do it. He did it without thumb cuffs, too, which I think is really great. Thanks, Jeff. Give it up for Jeff Trillinger. Julie and Logan. Logan and Julie. It is such a joy to watch the love your family shares and an encouragement to see another little one being raised in Christ and in love. Y'all are adorable. <laughs> All right. Logan, you're so adorable. There you go. Avery, you're adorable too. <laughs> I am. 
right, Andrew, I greatly appreciate your servant's heart in stepping up and covering for Mrs. J in playing the piano for all of us this morning. We all appreciate it. Give it up for Andrew. miss doing those. Did you miss those? Because kind, of, yeah. kind of there's something missing. I was just so thankful for the brethren here. Oh, and there's a set of keys up here. Uh, let's see, Wesco, Toronto. I don't know if you dropped some keys back there in the little children's room, but uh, anyway, they're up here if you need them. Any other announcements before we sing happy birthday? We didn't get to... Did we already sing happy birthday? I don't no, think we, we did. Didn't. No. We didn't. We didn't. We do? Violet. Really? Okay, well, okay, okay, let's have Brie come around. Come bring Violet out. Hey, Violet, we want you to come out. Come on, Violet. We're to sing you happy birthday. All right, Violet. Happy birthday, Violet. Are you, are you ready to hear happy birthday? All right. Here we go. This one's for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was a sweet look. Like, what? <laughs> Desi, were you doing that? Give me that look, too. What? <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's grab our Bibles. Grab our Bibles. Did you know that the book, or excuse me, the word victorious is used more times in the book of Revelation than it is in any other book by a large amount? Absolutely amazing when you think about it. You know, a lot of people get really freaked out about the book of Revelation. They really do. that Because of all of the, the symbolism and all the pro prophetic imagery in there. They get all freaked out. Uh, helicopters with stinging tails and, and <laughs> creatures like monsters in a horror movie. And, and it's like, well, no, it's not like that. It's, it's, it's that there are certain things that will be happening upon the earth and are actually right now um, that are going to challenge the saints. And you know the thing that I have found is that those saints who remain faithful to the Lord and courageous and being willing to live the life under the most extreme circumstances are the ones that will be victorious. And so the lesson title, as you'll take a look in your note sheets, The Victorious Faith of Christ. As Jacob said this morning, Christ was victorious and he knew what was coming. He knew that his life would be taken from him. And yet he knew that God's promise was that he'd be raised up and that he would never more face death. But having conquered death, not only in his own life, but having conquered death for us all. So it's important for us to recognize that the victorious faith of Christ is what's going to give us the power to power through. And the next two churches are absolutely phenomenal in regards to the challenges that we're going to see. Actually, we're, we're coming from the culture and from some of the brethren inside who were false brethren. So it's important for us to recognize 
that these examples are not just for those churches back then, but these examples are also for us so that we would remain faithful. And so, grab your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 5. And again, the victorious faith of Christ is what is going to give us what we need to be more than conquerors, to be victors in this world. And so 1 John, little John, chapter 5, verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born again, born of God or born from above. It all is the same thing. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ uh, is born of God. And then jump down to verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, our faith needs to be the faith of Christ. Again, when Mr. Parks and I were having our Thursday morning, you know, study, uh, it was kind of cool when Mr. Parks was saying, you know, faith without works is incomplete. And you know, if you think about that, a faith that is active is actually the faith of Christ. Faith in Christ, can you just say, I believe in Christ Jesus. I believe that he went to the cross. I believe that, that he was in the tomb three days. I believe that he was raised from the dead. I believe he was victorious over all the nastiness in his life. What a powerful man, filled with the Spirit, walking by faith. I believe in that. But you don't have to do anything. You can just say that, I believe. But now let's get into the arena. Now let's get into the arena. Let's be that guy. Let's be that person who is what? Willing to suffer uh, some of the worst that mankind can deliver and stay the course and remain faithful, showing people the example of what true sacrificial love is. It's important for us to think about that because if we don't, we will not be courageous in those very difficult times. We have to be mentally prepared. You have to mentally be strong. You know, why do many of our LEOs work out? Why do they practice, you know, self-defense and defensive maneuvers in uh, very difficult situations? They practice, they practice, they practice, they practice. Why? They are what? Becoming mentally strong and prepared for that eventuality. How come Christians don't do that? And I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that so oftentimes we just go, okay, I got my 30 minutes of Bible reading done. But did you mentally put yourself in that situation? What would you do? Or what did Jesus do? Can I do that? Will I do that? Am I committed to doing that? Can I visualize myself doing that? It wasn't too many months ago that uh, I was planning on going into Belarus and then into Ukraine. And so I was mentally preparing myself for that. What if? What if I was taken into custody by Russian soldiers? What if? What am I going to do? What's the likelihood of what they would do to me? You know, it's not a pretty picture, but I needed to do that if, in fact, I was going to go. And I was trusting Steve Doty to make a decision whether we were going to go as a team or not. And you know that we didn't go. But the reality is, is did I need to mentally get tough for that? 
Or was I just going to go, oh, whatever, I'll just kind of figure it out when I get there? Well, that's a fool's errand is what it is. How come then we as Christians aren't preparing ourselves for what may be our future? Now, that's not wrong. That's not bad. That's not terrifying. That's just, I am going to get it figured out. Now, let's go to the book of Revelation and chapter 2. And I want you to look at where the, the, the temptation is coming from to derail the churches. We're going to be taking a look at the church at uh, Pergamum and also Thyatira. And so I would like you to read those with me and listen for what they're doing right and what they need to hang on to and excel still more and more. What do they need to repent of? What do they need to call out in the church and make sure that those people are coming online? And then what should they be looking forward to? So beginning in verse 12, this is Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. To the angel or the preacher of the church in Pergamum write, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, that's of course Jesus, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching uh, uh, Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent, for else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them, meaning them, those who in the church have basically gone after uh, that which Balaam and the Nicolaitans uh, have been doing. He says, to make war with them, uh, with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, to him who is victorious. To him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on that stone, which no one knows, but he who receives it. Well, let's go ahead and jump in right there after a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to preach through your word, particularly through the seven churches that your son Jesus Christ called out to. Father, it's important for us today to recognize that these were written for our instruction upon whom the very end of the ages has come. Father, that we would examine ourselves individually and examine our church body collectively to see if we are doing what you've called the churches to do. And if we possess what those churches possessed, a powerful faith, a strong and absolute conviction and confession as this church had. Father, I pray you help us to see this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. Can I get an amen on that one? There's nothing new under the sun. And uh, this church at Pergamum, nothing new under the sun. In fact, the stuff that they were dealing with is the same stuff that we're dealing with in the Eugene Springfield area. In, in, the, in the Oregon, it, it, well, the Willamette Valley Corridor, I should say. Folks on the east side seem to have a little bit more sense about them, for the most part. 
But you know, the, the reality of culture can seep into the church. And uh, we have to be very mindful uh, that it doesn't. You know, culture has a lot of pressure working through social medias, network news uh, medias, and through schools and through colleges, and really through people who are unaware of what is actually happening. Indoctrination. It's like a machine. It's very effective, you know. And so we need to be mindful of that. So I want to take a look at this particular church and think of how what we are experiencing might cause us to be drawn away. Well, let's take a look. Point number one, Christ called the Pergamum. Uh, you must, we must, he's, Jesus is saying, that church must purge the teaching of Balaam, which are a stumbling block. Now, the teachings of Balaam. Does anybody here know what the teachings of Balaam were? If you go back and you take a look, it's rather interesting. Balaam seems to be like a pretty good prophet. Balak, the evil king, wants him to curse Israel so that he'll be able to destroy them. Well, three times, Balak says, man, I'm going to give you a ton of money. I'm going to give you honor. I'm going to give you whatever you want. I want you to curse the nation of Israel. And so Balak moves him to different places. You know, wherever Balaam says, that's where he's going to set up a camp to curse the nation of Israel. Balaam is a prophet of God. And he told him right out of the shoot, look, the only thing I'm going to tell you is what God has told me to tell you. And sure enough, whenever he would go before God, God would bring a blessing upon the nation of Israel. And Balak, the evil king, was so mad. Look, at I'm going to pay you big money. Don't you understand? You're supposed to curse these guys. And he never did. So you go, oh, wait a minute. That sounds like uh, he's a pretty good job. But he had some evil counsel. This wasn't a prophecy from God. This was his own evil counsel. You know what? Those Israelite young guys, they got eyeballs for the ladies. Yes. What you need to do is parade some of those Midianite gals in front of them, and they're going to be down the river. And that's exactly what happened. Because those gals, when they saw them, they took them for wives, and sometimes they just took them. If you go back and study, they took them and, and exploited them. And guess what ended up happening? They began to do the evil deeds that those young ladies and their idolatrous gods were doing, like burning their children, the unwanted children, burning them. It's called afterbirth abortion. That's horrible. And so, so this Balaam called them to commit, well, basically told the uh, Balak, well, you know what you ought to do is just get those honeys out there parading them around, and those young men will commit fornication. They're going to marry outside the faith, and they're going to fall away and worship idols and false gods of those women. Those idols obviously would be something like today materialism or hedonism, probably. Hedonism is that sin which involves pleasure of any kind. And so 
If you go back to Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 and 2, and then also take a look at uh, chapter 31 and verse 16, particularly chapter 31 and 16, you're going to see what Balaam's counsel was. It was basically to entice those young men, and you get the young men going, and then pretty soon the whole camp falls apart. The teaching is the Nickelodeons. That's rather interesting. Let's read this once again. He says here in verse 14, But I have a few things against you because you have uh, there some who hold the teachings of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. Actually, the acts of immorality came first, and then the following of other gods came second. You know, that still happens today. Oh, by the way, it's not just young men who are enticed. It's young women who are enticed. It's like the whole thing is messed up. You can't hardly pick up a magazine. You can't hardly drive down the, the freeway or look at a billboard. You can't hardly turn on your phone and all that garbage is there. Enticing people to be unfaithful to their wife or husband-to-be. You know, I, I've been talking with my sons about that particular dilemma. Do you know if you remain faithful, pure, you're actually blessing that young woman who you're interested in. You're helping her understand what a man of God, a true man of God looks like, also helping them to understand what she should expect. And you're not taking anything away from her. You should read 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4, verses 1 through 10. You're not taking anything away from her, and you're providing for her and encouraging her to become a spiritual woman, a strong spiritual woman. Now, if she does become your wife, you've actually blessed your wife. But if she doesn't become your wife, you've actually blessed her in becoming a great wife for someone else. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? When you do it God's way. Huh. See, so it's important for us to recognize and understand the culture is destroying God's plan for family in that perversion. And that's exactly what the devil was doing here. The same thing. Trying to destroy God's plan for marriage for family. And so it's important for us to recognize that we need to purge that out of our minds, out of, out of our family cultures, out of our church family, how important that is. But here's the cool thing about this church. They were solid, the majority of them. Notice, go back very quickly and take a look at verse 14 again. But I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam. Also, you have some who are following the immoralities of the Nickelodeons. Notice, it's not everybody, it's some. So it's important that we individually choose not to be some of the some. Because, what is it? Yeast, a little bit of yeast leavens the whole lump. We need to be committed to, I am going to be that faithful, solid man or woman of God. And here's what I love about this. Look at your second bullet point there. I know where you dwell, Jesus says. 
I know you dwell in Eugene, and I know how bad it is. I know you're about your legislature. I know about... Jesus knows it all. And so he knew about the mess that they were in. And you take a look at that, I know where you dwell. I did some research on the city of Pergamum. The city of Pergamum was really super messed up. They had three cults, three major cults in that city. <clears throat> Do your study. It's absolutely just like, wow, no wonder they had problems with this in the church. First of all, they had a cult called the Caesar cult. And literally, there was a shrine and a temple set aside for Augustus Caesar, and then later they changed it out a little bit for Trajan. Both were Caesars. You know, Caesar means God-man. Did you know that? Caesar means God-man. And so they had a temple, and they had a shrine to the Caesars. And so we know that the Roman Caesars were very vile in their, mm, what would you call, marital intimacy outside of marriage. They were messed up. You take a look at our leaders today. They're messed up the same exact way. See? And so you're following the Caesar because you're a good Roman, converted to Christianity. You're going to have a problem there. By the way, that's the power of the state coming through this kind of fusing of cultism, religion, and the state. But then they had this other character. He was actually a, a Greek a Greco-Roman god. The worship of uh, Ascalopus, Greek-Roman god of healing. Now it's interesting, when you see pictures and there's this, there's this big statue of him, and he's got this staff, and there's a snake curled up on that staff. With his hand stretched out like this, yielding to the god that gives him the power to heal. You ever seen anybody do this before? Okay. We're going to solve all problems. We're going to have the super race. I think that was a few centuries later. Right? But anyway, did you know when you've seen these medical, these little symbols of medical things, there's a shield, and there's a staff, and there's a snake on it. That's where it came from. This Greek God with the power to heal. Interesting. Go back and, and read about read about this guy. I didn't know who in the world is this guy anyway. I didn't understand. Uh, it was talking about this. And so I looked it up and sure enough, there he is. Okay. That is shrine to him. And then the last one was Zeus. You all know about, you've heard Zeus before? Zeus is supposedly the God of all gods. They had a throne and an altar on a little crag above the city that overlooked the city. And on it it said, Zeus is the savior. Savior from these monster snake people that were symbolized in this inscription. Interesting. Supplanting who? Supplanting Jesus Christ. Jesus is the great physician, isn't he? The great healer. And he's the one 
that is able to heal us from our sin than the devil, that serpent, who has what? Called us into his darkness. See, it's interesting how these three cults were there and were very culturally accepted. In fact, there was a coin, several coins found as you do your study, several coins with this... Uh, uh, the worship of Ascalopus, the, the Greek Roman god of healing, of him actually putting his hand on the snake with this sign on their money. That's pretty wild. You see, it was culturally accepted, kind of like in our family, in God we trust. Well, it was in Zeus or in this Ascalopus we trust. See, it was so culturally normal. It was just what you believed. See, we need to be really careful about culture and how it can get in to the church. See? Well, here's what I love about this. Jesus says, I know, and I want to read this. This is so cool in verse 13. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. I know that. And yet, you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who, who was killed among you uh, where Satan dwells. Hmm. You have not, what? You have not denied my faith. You have held fast my name. Who's speaking here? Jesus. He says, you've held fast my name. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. There is no other God. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the prophet. He is the high priest, and he's the King of kings. And I will bow the knee to no one else. That's what that is saying there. Their absolute conviction and their absolute confession, they would not let go of that truth. Now, some of them did. But the vast majority did not. They held fast in their confession and their conviction. So much so, they lived the life of Christ. Jesus lived a life, and his life was given for the salvation of others. This Antipas, a beautiful picture of a man faithful. I tried to look up Antipas, and he's only mentioned here. But we do know something about him. Jesus, listen to how Jesus describes this, this Antipas. Antipas, my witness. In other words, he preached the gospel. My faithful one. He remained unwavering in his faith. And then it says, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. He remained faithful unto death. He preached until they silenced him. And yet his life has not been silenced, even today. We hear in the churches, in this one this morning, that there was a faithful man who preached the gospel and refused to believe any other than Jesus as Lord. And the other ones followed faithfully in his footsteps. But some... Some chose to compromise. No compromise when it comes to being a Christian. I mean, I really love 
reading about these men and these women. I can't wait to meet Prisca or Priscilla. Man, she was a totally awesome woman. She was. She was a strong woman, as the scripture seems to lay out. But she was a strong woman, but empowered her husband. She was a strong woman. It seems that she opened up the door of opportunity and conversation with Apollos, who would become the great preacher of Apollos. And yet I'm confident, because she was a woman of faith, that her husband, Aquila, is the one that laid out the gospel plan of salvation as she orchestrated that relationship and bringing them together. I don't know about you, but my wife is very conversational. Sometimes I'm in awe and watching her, how she talks with people, you know. And I open my mouth and they go. But that being said, she's opened the door for a lot of conversations. I appreciate that. And so it's awesome to see that there are great men and women who we can look to like this Antipas who remains faithful. Now, if we will follow in his footsteps, if there is any evil in us of an immoral nature and we get it out of our lives, if there's any idolatry in our lives, we get it out of our lives. Notice what verse 17 says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who is victorious, to him I will give some of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and a, a new name written on the stone which no one knows but he who receives it. Honestly, I, I kind of want to try manna. I don't know about you, this may be weird, but, you know, Kevin knows, whenever we go to uh, uh, Max Porter's, they always have the case right out front with pastries in it. And man, it's calling my name every time I go in there. <laughs> Bill, Bill, here's a new apple tart. You have to come try me. <laughs> this is just God saying, Bill, manna is better than anything Max Porter has to offer. Crustable Bakery, not even close. You see, I, I just can't wait. You're saying, well, that's dumb. You're going to be faithful so you can eat manna? No, I'm saying that if I remain faithful, God's faithful to his promise. Amen? Yeah. Have you ever wondered what manna tasted like? I mean, somebody likened it to baklava. Of course I want to go to heaven and eat baklava. <laughs> it's awesome. But you know what's more important to me, and many of you know this? I can't wait. I can't wait to get that white stone with my name on it, a name that only I will know, Jesus will know as well. And I don't know how I'm going to get that name. I suppose it will be because of my service here. That's what I suppose. I don't know. But regardless, to be recognized individually, uniquely for Serving the Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, it's going to be something that forever and eternity will bear. And honestly, this is one of the ones that I really look forward to. There are others, but I really look forward to that. Many of you know my love language is encouraging words. And everybody likes to hear their name, right? I mean, people do. You know? And how to... How to uh, win friends and influence people, one of the number one things you can do 
is remember their name and speak to them using their name often. It's a magical word. Man, a new name. See? A very special name given to me by King Jesus. Well, you're going to get one too if you remain faithful. I can't wait for that day. Brethren, I know I'm taking a little bit longer than I should, but I want to make sure that you understand that victory, victory is for those who will hold on to their confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, without wavering. That you will, in fact, walk by the faith of Christ. Believe in him, but live like him so that you'll go right to and through the crosses in your life onto glory. So powerful that is. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. What matters is, is that Jesus will, in fact, grant to you if you will remain faithful. Will you? I want to be victorious today and every day till he comes. So whatever you're doing in your life that might cause you to be led astray, please get that stuff out of your life and then focus, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Holy God in heaven, I'm so deeply thankful for the rich blessing of being your child. And I am so deeply thankful, dear Heavenly Father, for your word that directs us and guides us. Father, I pray that uh, if there's anything in us individually or collectively that we need to remove, to purge, Father, I pray that you would uh, make us aware of that and that we would have an honest and good heart, recognize it, and repent of it. Father, I'm deeply thankful for such a sweet family, the body of Christ here. So many people doing so much, having impact, not just uh, in this family, but in the lives of so many others. How I praise you and thank you for that. In your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right. What did Jesus say to do? He said to you, go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right.